It's episode 174 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. It's also an unplanned episode. Those are the best. Thanks to a conversation I had on Twitter earlier in the week, I'm talking about how we can grow sports in Dayton, Ohio. Plus, some mail has landed in Malwin's mailbag. We'll talk about the new IFL team calling Columbus, Ohio home and talking about the teams active in Cincinnati. It's the local Sunday Sports Podcast on episode 174. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the leewmallon.com slash podcasts to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. Yes, that's right. It's an unplanned episode, episode 174 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And like I mentioned, I was very inspired to talk about how we can grow sports in Dayton, Ohio. So we'll cover that in just a little bit. And I also mentioned there is a new IFL team in town. That's the Indoor Football League in Columbus, Ohio. Is it the Destroyers or is it something else? Spoiler, it's something else. Plus, we'll talk about not only the Cincinnati Reds, but we'll talk about FC Cincinnati and the Columbus Crew. That's your sports that are active in Southwest Ohio. Yes, I'm following the Pacers. I saw they had a very nice comeback against the, what was it, the Portland Trailblazers? I think it was Portland in that first exhibition match. But first... It's time for Mowen's Mailbag. Yes, indeed. We have more mail in Mowen's Mailbag, and we're going to answer those right now. Thanks to the fine folks at 12 Ounce Sports and the family for sending me these questions. Didn't get a lot on Facebook nor Instagram. That's okay, but I did get some on Twitter, and we're going to answer them right now. Just keep in mind, just because I said you had to get those questions in at a certain time doesn't mean you can't just ask questions whenever you want. On social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's Sunday Pod. You can ask there or ask me directly. Again, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, the Lee W. Mowen. Ask me at any time and we'll have a Mowen's mailbag segment. So feel free to keep asking questions. Again, the 12 ounce sports family pitched in on all these and we'll go ahead and get started. This is from James A. Paxson. I believe he's the newest person to the 12-ounce sports family. Why does the Reds' bullpen hate the starting rotation? Mm, that's a very good question. He actually has a little bit of a tagline for that, but I'm going to get into the serious aspect on that. I, I don't honestly think that the bullpen hates the starting rotation. It's just, if you look at all the off-season moves that Cincinnati made lot to the batting order, a lot to the starting rotation. By a lot, I mean Wade Miley, who now has landed on the IL, the injured list, for a groin injury. His first start in Cincinnati was not great, 
but I'm looking forward to seeing what the left-hander can do after his IL stint. Hopefully he can recover quickly enough. But bullpen-wise, uh, Pedro Strope is one of the newcomers to the team, but really you still have Michael Lorenzen, who is despised by uh, the Dayton Sports Talk host on ESPN 1410. I personally don't have a problem with Lorenzen at all. I mean, the whole aspect of, hey, let's uh, let's make him an outfielder and pitcher. That'd be pretty neat, wouldn't it? Uh, not really. Keep one or the other. The other part to James A. Paxson's question, because honestly, Cincinnati has some of the best starter pitchers, and the bullpen has ruined them. We'll talk about that in a sec. Did the Reds starting pitching like forget to pay their share of the house water bill so the bullpen doesn't like them? Or is the bullpen jealous at the starting rotation because they are better looking or something? I know that's not serious, but at the same time, it is pretty funny. And it's part of the mailbag, so that's why I included it. And plus, I didn't include it right off the bat because I had to go on my phone and actually access it. So there you go. No, the bullpen doesn't hate starting pitchers, but if the Reds have any shot... To get to the now extended playoffs, 16 teams. Uh, I don't know about that. But if the Rats have any shots, they're really going to need their starting pitching to be pristine this entire 60-game slate. And it has been, except for Wade Miley's start. But the bullpen, I, I feel th they're continuing on from the conclusion of last season. Because like I mentioned, last year, the start of 2019, they were fine. But then around May or June, they kind of start losing their luster. And then you have Jared Hughes getting axed. You have a couple more getting axed. David Hernandez is another name. Personally, I don't know why the bullpen is struggling. But is it the worst bullpen in MLB? <laughs> I don't think it is, but... What do I really know? Uh, the Cubs one is pretty bad as well. Uh, Cubs are really curiously almost like the Cincinnati Reds in the sense that batting order is superb. I keep forgetting Jason Kipnis is now with the Cubbies. Uh, every time I see him score, it's like, wait, aren't you supposed to be in Cleveland? And, oh, yeah, that's right. But there you go. Uh, good batting order. Lots of key pieces in there, and I think the Cubs will also do nice with the DH throughout this year, and they'll probably give it to Kyle Schwarber, mostly. Uh, the starting rotation, also superb for Chicago and Cincinnati, so that's why I'm saying they're two very similar teams, uh, except for the fact that the Reds have second-year manager David Bell, who already is getting... A lot of ire and anger from the Reds fan base because of his switches, which there's part of me that agrees with him. And there's part of me is saying, look, if, if they're reaching towards 100 pitches, that's, you know, I, I don't care that there's only 60 games in a season. You don't want to wear out their arm where they're not going to be serviceable down the line where you might need them in clutch situations. But that's just me. Everyone has their own opinions on it. For me, eh. But there you go. Also, I've been seeing a lot of irk and ire from people watching the Reds broadcast against Tom Brenneman. Uh, myself, I don't have Fox Sports Ohio. I have a little cheap radio I bought at Meyer for about 8 bucks, and I listen to 700 that way. Or if I don't feel like messing around with that, there's an app on uh, Google Play called Pro Baseball. It's free. 
and it's supposedly allow you to listen to off-market streams. Like for Cincinnati, they have Athens, which is normally my go-to one to listen to Reds game. W A T H. Uh, there was one in North Carolina that worked. Uh, the Reds ones I've tested all but one, I believe, and most of them don't work. Most of them take you to regular programming if it wasn't for Reds baseball. The North Carolina one, which I forget which one that is, and W-A-T-H in Athens. Those are the two I listen to the most. Not a perfect app, but hey, I can listen to it for free, so I'm not complaining there. So yeah, the bullpen doesn't hate the starting pitcher, but the bullpen needs a little bit of help outside Pedro Strope. So thank you, James A. Paxson, for that question. This one is from the Sports Stance. They had a question for me on the live stream, or episode 172, if you remember. What's the projected number of balls thrown into the empty stands by Trevor Bauer? Well, again, it's not as big of a serious question, and he only did that one time before his career with the Cleveland Indians was up. 60 games, uh, I say one or under. I like Bauer. I think he can offer a great starting rotation point for the Reds. Uh, I believe this is his last year with Cincinnati, and he's already mentioned he wants to pitch for the Dodgers, I believe, or in Los Angeles, which, I mean, that's fine and all. So if this is the year you're going to go far in the playoffs and have Trevor Bauer and you're unable to extend him for some reason – Personally, I, I think it's going to be zero, maybe one, but we'll see how that goes. I believe this is Lou Gamlin from, again, the 12-Ounce Sports family. All these questions are from these fine folks. What are your odds on Joe Burrow winning Rookie of the Year? Strong question there. Uh, I say pretty good, but you also got to remember there's a ton of rookies coming in. And you also got to remember... We're still dealing with the coronavirus. You've seen how it's mucked up the Miami Marlins now. How many positive tests they've had? 19 total. The Brewers and Cardinals home opener for Milwaukee. That got postponed thanks to the virus. Uh, Cincinnati had that wiped through except for the fact that apparently the players... Tested negative, and luckily they were able to come back and help the Reds win that 12-7 affair against the Chicago Cubs. Especially Sinzel adding a solo home run right after Castellanos hits a grand slam against his former team. I'll have to get into this a little bit when I'm talking Reds, so I'll save it for there. Joe Burrow winning Rookie of the Year. Of course, it depends how well... Burrow does with Cincinnati his first year. I think he's got amazing potential, but again, college ball from one stellar year in the college ranks coming up to the NFL doesn't always translate into keeping that same the same movement afloat, especially with the coronavirus shutting everything down. I think Burrow is a solid pick. I mean, you also have uh, Tua in Miami. I think if that hip has healed up, and you know, same thing with him, if the Dolphins help him out, he might have a solid chance of winning it. Uh, in terms of other talent, I mean, I, I think Burrow's got a solid shot. But then again, there's a ton of rookies coming into the NFL, and maybe they'll 
catch on fire like that. But I think Burrow's got a solid shot, but it really depends how his first year with Cincinnati goes. I have seen a lot of Bengals fans impressed how he carries himself, and I'm I'm in that same boat too, especially when he's talking to the Cincinnati sports media about it. So that's been very, very nice to see. And I think we got a good kid out of Joe Burrow. Now, of course, good kids don't always turn out to be, you know, Super Bowl winners. But I, I have a good feeling about Burrow's transition to Cincinnati from Louisiana State University. Next question comes from Mike at MKADHD on Twitter. How long, if ever, until Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the league? He guesses never. Joe Burrow, the best in the league. As much as I like to see it, I mean, he's got some pretty good competition for that. Most fans will probably point towards Patrick Mahomes, who became a minority owner of the Kansas City Royals. So that means he's probably not going anywhere. So he'll be a chief quarterback for quite some time. And I like Mahomes as well. People might point towards Tom Brady and the success he has with the Patriots now taking his talents to Tampa Bay, which that's going to be interesting to see how well he gels with Coach Arians and the Buccaneers, the new-look Buccaneers as well, and Gronk going to TB as well, which, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, Lamar Jackson, of course, I'm high on him for Baltimore. I think he's a great quarterback. Uh, Phillip Rivers, maybe not the Super Bowl rings that people come to expect, but... You know, if you're looking for a quarterback for fantasy football purposes, he does the job quite well. I I, I think it's going to take a while. Burrow's not going to be the greatest right off the bat unless the Bengals have a 16-0 regular season and clean sweeps the playoffs. Would that be amazing? Yeah, tell me something I don't know. But it'll take a while. And I think Burrow has... If the Bengals can keep building up on their team and making them a power horse that the Bengals should be, then I think Burrow can be one of the greatest quarterbacks. But it's going to take a long time. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen after the 2020 season. But I think Burrow has a legitimate shot. But again, a lot of things have to take place. And then you got that nasty injury bug that's you know, can ruin careers. Let's hopefully, let's hope that that stays away from Burrow. And this one's from Jeff Beck. If you don't know Jeff Beck, he owns 12 ounce sports and he was the one to reach out to me and say, Hey, you would come right for 12 ounce sports. And I said, yes. Now I haven't done much writing, which, you know, the Reds have played. So that probably means I need to, but you know, lo and behold, here we go. Great guy. And, does a lot of great work with 12-ounce sports, as does everyone that threw in questions to Malin's mailbag. And this one's interesting. If the OHSAA cancels fall sports, what will happen to senior recruits with no good offers who are hoping to make their last year in high school football their sales pitch to Division One schools, particularly players at high-profile schools like Elder, St. Xavier, and etc.? That little pause was thanks to the fact that uh, my writing was a little sloppy there. Yes, this is one of the episodes I don't write on the computer. This is all on a notebook. And I used to do that quite often in the beginning of this podcast. Nowadays, eh, 
interviews, I have to type it out on Microsoft Word so I can send it to the guests so they know what I'm going to ask. So, what will happen to the senior players that look to make their last year their biggest sales pitch to football schools, Division One football schools? You know, if we were living in the age of, you know, there's no huddle, there's no max preps, there's nothing like that. I mean, hopefully you have someone that knows how to tape and knows how to you know, get footage together. Otherwise, yeah, that would be very, very tough. That would be very tough, and I, <laughs> I don't know how you would do that. Nowadays, with huddle and everything, I mean, if you were trying to make your senior year your greatest year, or maybe even you didn't get to play because, you know, you were – quarterback two or quarterback three on your team, and now this is your one and only shot. What will happen to them? I mean, they're going to have to work on their sales pitch. I mean, work on your demo, work on, you know, you got to make sure that the college recruiters know that you're a good fit, number one, and you have a good attitude. You're not letting this coronavirus knock you down. Now, as of today, which is July 31st, 2020, the last day of the month, Middletown High School has announced they're foregoing fall sports. There's been several leagues saying we are sticking with conference only, like the Greater Western Ohio Conference. And I'm waiting to see if other conferences follow suit. Kentucky High School Athletic Association mentioned no out-of-state foes unless their county borders the Commonwealth of Kentucky, which mostly that would be your Cincinnati area schools, and those shouldn't be affected. However, we have had a uh, couple of changes there. Oak Hills and, oh, who's that third team? I should know this off the top of my head. Well, back to Twitter. Anyway, they're playing week three instead of the Roger Bacon. That's who it was. Thank goodness that that came back to me so I didn't have to look through Twitter again. Yeah, but Roger Bacon and Oak Hills are now going to play week three, whereas Roger Bacon was supposed to play Covington Central, and Simon Kenton was supposed to welcome in Oak Hills. I mean, you're going to see a lot of that. I just saw something before recording that Harrison is going to host Alter for week three of high school football. Now, keep in mind, I said the G-Walk said conference only on all their sports, which it affects all fall sports, don't get me wrong. But that also takes out the Battle of Kettering, Alter Fairmont, unless there's like, okay, that can still be played because it's in Kettering, which I don't know if that will happen or not. That'll also affect Alter Centerville, which is a big rivalry there as as well. You know, Kettering, Centerville, that type of thing. I mean, I don't know if that's going to shake down. I mean, some conferences will be better than others just because of the amount of schools that they have. If the Eastern Cincinnati Conference decides on something like that with no offseason, that's okay because the last seven weeks are filled with conference foes and not everyone gets to play each other in the ECC, which I think, if not a full 10-week schedule, it will be filled very, very close. And I know Loveland's not playing Lebanon. That's one filled. And I feel like they're not playing one of the new teams. No, because Little Miami's coming into Loveland, and Loveland goes to Winton Woods for Week 10. 
So, like I said, I don't know how much that will pinball. But getting back to the question from Jeff Beck, it is a very interesting question. What do athletes do? I, I don't know if I can fully answer that because I'm not an athlete. I'm a guy with a microphone talking and answering questions and talking about local sports. It's a very interesting question. I think a lot of social media, a lot of video editing and creating your own footage, I think that's going to be the big key for these recruits to get witnessed by Division I schools. And maybe Division II, Division Three schools come knocking. It's still the same sport. It's just for Division II, it's less scholarship money. And for Division Three, you can't get scholarships athletically. Academically, yes, you can in Division Three, but you get where I'm going with that. So it's, it's going to be an interesting situation to keep watch I mean, right now, there's a lot of fear that the MLB season won't get finished. I mean, like I mentioned, the Marlins, their season's postponed. Washington's going to be off for the next three days because they were supposed to go to Miami, and all but one of their players said, nope, we're not going to Florida, especially since that's one of the hotbeds of the virus right now. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Thank you all to... The questions from Alan's mailbag. It was a lot of fun talking about it. Before we continue on with this unplanned episode of 174, i like to tell you about Redbubble. Hey folks, do you like stickers? Sure you do. What about masks, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, throw pillows, backpacks, and even wall clocks? If you like any of those things... Check out redbubble.com. You can search for the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, then click on either the main or alternative logo, or you can visit my press kit at theleadwmallon.com slash podcast and click on either podcasting logo from there. You can choose anything you might need from Redbubble's massive selection. Like I mentioned, there are tons of options and a very good showing of new phone cases you might need. Every purchase you make from these stores on Redbubble comes back and helps out yours truly. I myself have purchased a sticker or two from Redbubble, and they are very good quality. The more stickers you buy, the more of a discount you can get. So what are you waiting for? Shop the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast goods from Redbubble. Redbubble. And now the main reason why this episode is titled Sportster's Paradise. It's our feature presentation. A musical cue on a topic? What will you hear next? Yeah, I'm trying to add more transitions and everything to my podcast, so we'll see how that ends up. Oh, by the way, these were all made with the free Splash app available on Google Play and the App Store in case you want to make your own beats. So this topic is based off a conversation I had with someone in the laundromat on social media, and that really got my gears turning just because there's so much stuff I want to talk about. You know, how we can make Dayton a great sports city. So I want to thank, well, the first off, I like to thank the starter of the topic in Hart Mercantile. They are located on 5th Street in the Oregon District. If you're looking for sports stuff, they have one shirt, and it's one of my favorite ones. Actually, they have two, but the one I bought was the Dayton Triangles shirt, And if you know any history about the NFL, you know that the Dayton Triangles were one of the first teams, and they played the first game that helped start the NFL. So yes, Dayton actually helped get 
the National Football League underway, and that opponent was the Columbus Panhandles. Panhandle. Panhandles? Panhandlers. Panhandlers would make more sense. But then again, why is a team called the Triangles? Well, it is the scariest shape out there. Boo, or something. No, it's based on Triangle Park. That's where the Dayton team called home. So, Hart Mercantile sells that shirt, and I think they go up to 3X if you want to visit them or their website. They also have a college sports shirt, which is one of my new favorites as well. Very soft shirts, and, you know, if anyone asks me, what college sports? Just college sports. So, yeah, I got two shirts that day. So, thank you to Hart Mercantile for all they do for, you know, the Dayton community and everything. Yes, you might know them on social media. They have this uh, chalkboard. They'll write quotes and everything. They they are pretty boss. They used to have a deal with the Gem City Roller Derby team as well. They used to sell that stuff. But at the time I went, they weren't. So, And now I want to thank the person responsible for giving me this conversation, a Michael Galloway on Twitter at BrownsRule4007 for inspiring me to make this episode. He listened to the latest edition of the podcast, which, would that be 173? That, that makes sense. I think that was the one I just released, and it was with Trace Fowler of Chatterbox Sports. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. Yeah, we, we had a conversation all through the time I was at the laundromat, and we talked about Dayton Dynamo, soccer, sports, you know, how... This podcast is great and everything. How Wright State, you know, doesn't have a football team. We talked a little bit about everything on here, and I have the uh, conversation on my phone. So thank you, Michael, for chatting up and being a fan of this podcast. He also mentions about supporting it as best he can. I'll tell you, folks, the best way to support it is just share it. You know, word of word of mouth, mouth of word. No, word of mouth. Mouth of word sounds stupid. Word of mouth, social media sharing, telling people about it, which I guess would be word of mouth again. But, yeah, if, if you feel like you'd like to buy something on Redbubble or Public, that'd be great. I do get a little bit back from commission. But at the same time, you know, just tell people that this podcast is this. And, you know, be a listener. That's all I ask for. So, I'd like to start talking about this. Now, the first thing I mentioned... I thought the people donated for the field said they wouldn't continue donations if Wright State started a football team. I, I like this conversation, Wright State football. There's a lot of rumors. I don't know which one's the truth. I mean, there was a rumor that Wright State's football field would be where the Beaver Creek Mire is on Colonel Glen Highway. I heard that rumor. I heard that Irvin J. Nutter's son got injured and paralyzed in a football accident. I've heard I've heard a lot of things. And like I mentioned, if Wright State gets football, great. If Wright State doesn't get football, great. I'm supporting my alma mater. No, no two ends about it. But we talked a little bit about that in the last Mowen's mailbag. And then we talked a little bit about the rumors and everything. And then he mentioned that I was the former broadcaster for the Dayton Dynamo, which I was. First year I was on internet audio. The second year I was the only broadcaster as we made the move to Roger Glass. Jeremy Lance was uh, the video broadcaster the year the Dynamo were at Welcome Stadium, and he was with the Cincinnati Saints. And again, that's another good interview. I forget which episode that is, but anymore I don't really... 
title them by number. I title them by who I interview. So go back and listen to that one. That one's good too. Mentioned how the, what was it? The forever package that the dynamo dynamo sold, sold even have no idea where my, uh, Knowledge of English is gone, but I apologize on that. But we talk a little bit about that, and it's very sad what happened. Just someone came in, offered a lot of money, became the majority leader of the team, owner of the team, and that was kind of it. That was the last thing we heard of the Dynamo as we kept inching closer to the, uh, what was it, 2018 season? Not a word. And, yeah, we, we didn't have Dynamo soccer and we still don't and we probably won't have dynamo soccer again but yeah it was a lifetime member where pretty much you pay this amount and you're you know you get to go to any dynamo game you want for free and i know the owner david satterwhite put his heart and soul into it that makes me sad he was a good guy he is a good guy he's he's still around he's in cincinnati but it just when the majority owner waved in, that was kind of the end, and that's when we had the radio silence and everything. So we talked a little bit about the Dynamo. We talked a little bit about FC Cincinnati and what they should do for an academy. Well, they have the academy going in Milford. Oh, sorry. I said it wrong. Milford. Sorry. It, it's, it's state law that you have to pronounce that city like that. But we talked about... You know, if FC Cincinnati gets a USL team, you know, there's the Cincinnati Dutch Lions, the Dayton Dutch Lions, which there was someone involved with, I think, all three at the time. But I, I, I don't fully know how that worked. I mean, Dayton would be great for FC Cincinnati, too. I'd call it FC Dayton in hindsight. I don't think I mentioned that in the conversation, but that's what I do, just because of the fact that, you know, Larry Hanskin made a very good quote on my interview with him a while back. Dayton is not North Cincinnati, which is very true. Dayton has its own life and soul. I mean, I don't know if the average Daytonian knows about the the funk history of the city and how music was important to Dayton, Ohio, US of A. Most people don't know about the hockey history and how the Gems 1.0 was such a dominant team for back-to-back Turner Cups in the 70s. Uh, and I don't think people, most people know about how we almost had an American Hockey League team play in Dayton, Ohio, if we had that downtown hockey arena built. It would have been the Dayton Arrows and not the Houston Arrows, now the Iowa Wild. I mean, Dayton, Ohio is a very great place. I know people have those bumper stickers. If you think Dayton's great, you've never been out of the state or something like that. Which, <laughs> But Dayton is a great sports town all its own. And yes, you can make the argument most fans are Cincinnati sports fans around here, but Dayton has such easy access to other big markets. I mean, you got Indianapolis, Pittsburgh's a couple hours away, Cleveland's not too far, Detroit, Toledo, those type of things. It's not just Cincinnati. You're not just locked into Cincinnati, although this podcast is, but that's because, you know, my love of both Dayton and Cincinnati. I know there's a ton of Cincinnati sports podcasts out there, but uh, still no Dayton sports podcast out there, so yay me. But we were talking about this, and I wanted to talk about 
how we can make Dayton grow back into a sports city. One thing that struck me is why is there no sports shop? I mean, especially in the Oregon district. I mean, that's such like a close-knit family, especially after the Ned Pepper shootings last year. I mean, we had Dayton Strong and the Dragons did a very large very large event for that where all the Dragons came out and put white roses on the home plate for all the nine folks that died during that attack. And I mean, why, why is there, why isn't there anything like that for sports? You know, like I mentioned Hart Mercantile and that's a great shop. I mean, the Oregon district has a lot of great shops in there. They have uh, goodwill across the streets. That's also where the iHeart media offices are, which they have a big Dayton strong banner on there. Uh, there's a great record store right by the train tracks. I mean, there's a lot of nice things about the Oregon district. There is a building that's abandoned, I believe. And I mentioned it to my wife as we were walking down East fifth saying, you know, that building needs a lot of work. There's a lot of paint chips. There's a lot of crackling paint and everything needs a good blasting of the pressure washer. I mean, why wouldn't that be a great place for sports? Something. I mean, if you think about it, yes, I know Dayton's never going to have like a major league team or something like that. Sure, I'm fine with that. It's a great place without major league sports. But there's a great minor league scene about Dayton, Ohio. Look at the Dragons. They beat the Portland Trailblazers for the most consecutive sellouts in any team's history. I mean, that's huge. So don't tell me that sports can't work in Dayton, Ohio, because they absolutely can. And I know the counter-argument is there is a sports store of shops in, um, what is it, Tuffy Brooks on Kiwi towards uh, 3rd Street. Yeah, but that's more like trophies and, you know, varsity letter jackets. I'm talking about, like, why, why isn't there shops like, hey, we had great hockey back in the day and, you know, celebrating the gems and... and Maybe not even the Dragons, the Ducks. Uh, let's see, the Triangles, of course, I mentioned them. I mean, the uh, Dayton Historical Society, they do a nice job about that. And I still have yet to see the first locker room that the Triangles had, that first NFL game ever played. I need to see that. Hopefully they haven't taken it down already, but, you know. I mean, there's great soccer here. The first rendition of the Dynamo, I mean, they start off at, think hair arena that moved to another center when it opened in the 90s i mean and we mentioned dayton has a little something for everyone i know my good friend brian reese he's at these past few years has been trying to start an aussie football team which if you've never seen australian rules football do yourself a favor go watch a game there's the cincinnati dockers down south they practice used to practice in Fairfield, and that was a very lovely field, but now they're somewhere close to downtown, which is really nice. But my main mention is, why isn't sports more celebrated here? If you listen to the sports radio stations, most of it is national stuff you hear all the time, blah, 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 blah. Personally, I can't listen to national talk radio hosts. It's just, I mean, they do a fine job and all, but it's like... 
I can go to social media for that. And most of the time their opinions are outlandish and just plain ridiculous. And sometimes they're just plain ridiculous. Uh, I'll add that to the mix as well. But I, I feel like when you ask a local Daytonian, your average local Daytonian, what sports are, they'll probably point to University of Dayton Flyers, which is fine. It's a great, tra- uh, it's a great uh, tradition of sports. And Flyers men's basketball are pretty darn ace. You might get Wright State Raiders and the Dayton Dragons. That's kind of it. But really, if you look at it, I mean, other than the great high school sports, you have that history and everything. I mean, why is that not celebrated as much? And before you ask, why won't I do something about it? Well, you need money. And do you think I have money? (laughs) Yeah, about that. I I feel like we can get the sports community together. I I like the... Two supporter groups of the MOS teams in Dayton. They do a nice job. They have uh, watch watch parties for their teams at Fifth Street uh, Brewery. Brewery, even. Brewery is right next door. Huh. But, yeah, that's, that's just one sport. And that's not, I mean, it's Daytonians, but it's not like you know, celebrating Dayton sports. I feel like... Was it them or was it the American Outlaws chapter of Dayton that would come out and do Dynamo or watch Dynamo games and welcome in Roger Glass? But you see what I'm saying. I mean, there's a lack of unity for Dayton sports. I mean, I know easier said than done. And once, you know, sports come back to Dayton, Ohio, then, you know, it's easier to do. But I feel like there's no true way to connect. All the sports fans, I mean, if you're a soccer fan, you're probably in one of those three groups I mentioned. Uh, Gem City Massive, Hangar 937 for FC Cincinnati, and again, the AO chapter of Dayton. I mean, but other sports, if you don't like soccer, then are you really going to join them? I, I don't know. You, you get why I'm saying it. So I, I create a loose plan about what we could do to rally Dayton and make it a better sports market? Well, the first obvious answer is to build. If you build it, they will come. That's off the movie Field of Dreams, and I think I mentioned that two straight episodes in a row. Go me. But we're not getting sports back until we have an arena of such. Hair arena's closed. I don't think the Nutter Center will welcome anything like that back. I mean, couple years back, we were supposed to get the Dayton Wolfpack in, which would have been a National Arena League indoor football team at the Nutter Center. And, you know, I was in talks with them to become their broadcaster, even PA announcer. But, yeah, that didn't happen. And that broke my heart because I, I thought that that would have done okay. I mean, the Nutter Center is huge. There's a ton of seats at the Nutter Center. But indoor football is great. I mean, with the loss of Hera, you don't have that complex anymore unless, you know, you're willing to, you know, build it. We need a new hockey barn, a hockey arena to get in a minor league team. Soccer, I I like Dock Stadium. I like that situation for Dayton Dutch Lions. I think that's a perfect base there. But if you're talking USL2, you might want to look at your own venue I mentioned to Michael that 
long time ago, there were rumors that the Dayton Dutch Lions were going to build on the northeast corner of Yankee and I-675, which, if you go by that often, you know it's a lot of trees. There's also Southview Hospital across the way, and you have Dayton Mall not too far either. There's a lot of shopping to do around there. That'd be pretty nice place. I mean, most people drive 675 north or south, and they'll see it. I mean, it's kind of nice. Now, again, this is suburbs, not entirely Dayton, Ohio. Is that Centerville or Miamisburg? I think it's more Washington Township, but that's not important. We need a place to build. And I mentioned get-together. I feel like sports fans, I mean, sure, there's bars and everything, but there's not like one thing that unites all sports fans together. For me, I, I, I like any sport, and I'll talk sports with anyone. You know, this podcast exists, so there's proof that I can. And the third point is be proud of Dayton. Like I mentioned, Dayton has a lot going for it. And yes, it's a little bit tarnished because, you know, downtowns, all these places are shutting down. Well, the arcade's building back up. That'd be a nice place for a sports store. Hint, hint out there. I mean, Fifth Third... Uh, Fifth Third Field did a lot of great for downtown. Now it's Day Air Ballpark. I mean, that that area is very nice. I think something like that for another sport would be quite nice. But that goes back to point one. You need to build it before they come. So, But yeah, we can have a sportsman's paradise here in Dayton, Ohio. And I think we can get it done, but we need everyone to group together. And, you know... Just like sports, love Dayton, Ohio, you know? It's not just the gateway of America where you drive by, it's like, hmm, I heard of that. I think they made flight there or something. So, there you go. That's my whole take on it. You can agree, disagree. I mean, you can have your own opinion on it. You can think I'm a total whack job and say, no, Dayton doesn't have any business being in sports. I mean, I have the opinion that you're the whack job for saying that, but hey, you know, there's that. Just got a notification on my phone. Antonio Brown suspended eight games, but he's not with a team. Whether he's signed, wouldn't that mean if he's not signed, he just spends eight weeks without suspension? I, I, I don't know on that. But, yeah, Michael, thank you for the conversation. He also mentions turning the heat on the Gem City Jam, bro. Well, the Gem City Jam, yes, it's a hornet's nest that I don't like attacking because of the fact I work at UD, I work in Wright State. I love my jobs, therefore I don't rock the boat. Do I want to see the Gem City Jam come back? You betcha. Do I want to see Wright State and Dayton play and everything they can? Um, Again, you betcha. But I, I... I normally keep quiet for that argument just because I don't want to rock the boat with my bosses at either place because I like working at both places again. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great for Dayton. I mean, I also mentioned that, you know, Dayton's name is tarnished a little bit because, you know, the war on drugs and it's gotten bad. Around Dayton, Miami Township, Miamisburg, it's, it's not great. And it's because... You have such a massive access to the United States on 75 or 70. It's, you know. But 
Again, that's my take, and I think it would work great. I'd love to see a sports shop in Dayton, downtown Dayton, something like that, that celebrates the history of Dayton sports and hopefully maybe is the birthplace of a new sports generation here in Dayton, Ohio, USA. I want to see hockey back. I'd love to see soccer keep up and maybe get a USL 2 team again. If you don't know, the Dayton Dutch Lions were in the USL Pro. I said League 2. That's what the Dayton Dutch Lions are currently in. <sighs> Silly me. It's the USL now. I beg your pardon. Yeah, I'd like to see another team in the USL here in Dayton. But I think you'd need your own soccer stadium for that, and not just a high school stadium. Like I said, I like Doc's stadiums set up, but you can see that it's West Carrollton's. So, there you go. That's my opinion. I, I want to see sports succeed here in Dayton, Ohio. So, there we go. Again, you can agree, you can disagree with me. And Michael left a very nice compliment about my podcast. Let's scroll. And yes, I did talk about the Gem City Jam for a second, so therefore I have my Scouts Honor uh, yearly talk about the Gem City Jam so I don't get in trouble and or lose my jobs. You know, a stipulation should be I get to announce it or broadcast it. <laughs> no, that's, that's, you know, you get what I'm saying. Uh, Michael mentions that he's glad that we have your pod. We need more sports talk here in Dayton, and he'll support me the best way he can. Michael, I appreciate that. Like I mentioned, and just listen to the podcast, tell people about it. And if you have extra money, look at Tee Public or look at the Red Bubble Shops and you know, spread the word. That's the only thing I ask. You don't have to spend money for my podcast. I mean, it'd be cool because I get a little back. But again, just spread the word. And I agree. We need more local sports talk in Dane, Ohio. Uh, of course, right now, it is tough because, you know, Dane, Ohio's normally got the Dragons, got the Dutch Lions, men's and women's teams. There's a couple of collegiate summer baseball league teams going around. But, uh, yeah, the coronavirus kind of shut everything down. And it's a little tough to talk about sports when there aren't any to talk about. But never mind that. I Like I mentioned, I feel like... With the history that Dayton has, both sports and non-sports, like I mentioned, you go back and look and just how big funk music and all types of music in Dayton, Ohio, it's huge. And, and I wish it was more of a thing that people knew about. Heck, I come from West Alexandria, Ohio. It's a little town of a thousand people. Once upon a time, they had a record company there. I know! West Alex Records. And I think... I think my mom told me that one of the Ohio players came from West Alex. You know, they sung Fire, Love Roller Coaster, and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, I love the Ohio players. And I think most of them were out of Dayton. So, yeah. You can't tell me that Dayton, Ohio isn't a great American town. You can't tell me that. Because then I just laughed in your face. So, Michael, thank you for supporting and your kind words and the conversation to... Help start off episode 174. I do appreciate it, and I hope that you know you keep on listening to this podcast, and hopefully we can have more conversations too, because that's one thing I miss on social media. We talk about sports, and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a tough quarantine since it all went down in March. 
I mean, it looks like high school sports are going to happen, but you see, you know, like I mentioned, Middletown said no fall sports. You see the G-Walk saying no non-conference games. Where does it stop? I know the OHSAA is trying to push through and get fall sports out, which, you know, that'd be great. But I don't know if it's going to happen. I won't know until the day I get notification that we have a game. Drive down and broadcast it, which, man, I, I can't wait for that day. And I'm hoping that we have it coming up soon. So we're going to take another breather. We're going to talk about the crew, FC Cincinnati, and the Reds. But first, let's tell you about the Ever Shop of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast in T Public. Listeners, you can buy the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast merchandise thanks to T Public. You have a strong choice of variety from t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies, coffee mugs, phone cases, magnets, stickers, notebooks, totes, and even more. TeePublic also holds frequent sales too, where you can save up to 35% off on just about everything. Visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast, then click on the blue Shop My Store at TeePublic button. A portion of each sale helps out the podcast. What are you waiting for? Wear the gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast, thanks to TeePublic. Again, visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast, then click on the blue Shop My Store at TeePublic button. TeePublic. I think today and tomorrow, if you visit Tee Public Store, by today and tomorrow, I mean July 31st and August 1st, 2020, you can save up to 35% off, and basic t-shirts are 13 bucks a pop. That's short sleeve t-shirts, 13 bucks a pop, and most things you can save a great percentage on. Again, best way to go is look at my media kit, theleewmountain.com slash podcast. Also, for those out there that have a lot of knowledge and hearsay on hosting a website, well, I am looking into getting this podcast its own website and not just, you know, off my broadcasting website. So if you have anything that's fairly cheap, reliable, you know, the right place to talk about it, get a hold of me on social media or the website. Now to close out episode 174, I didn't realize we were getting very close to the one hour mark. I was hoping this would be a fairly short episode, but hey, I like talking and hopefully you like hearing me talk. So there we go. We're going to start off with the Cincinnati Reds. They're in Detroit tonight to start a three game series in Michigan, and they currently have a two and four record. Both wins have come from the arm of Sonny Gray, who me the offense of the Tigers and the Cubs. And the four losses, all but one, are off the bullpen faltering. And that one is where the Cubs jumped all over left-hander Wade Miley, who again is on the IL, and Anthony DiSclefani is scheduled to make his first start in the year. I believe, is he going to go in Detroit, or is he going to go at home against Cleveland? The latest article on Reds.com is talking about Wade Miley going to the 10-day IL list with a strained left groin, which manager David Bell announced yesterday and said that Anthony DiSclefani, a right-hander, will be activated 
and take Miley's turn in the rotation Sunday at Detroit, which could be a possible rubber match. We will see. DiScalfani missed his first stop because of a mild strain of the right terrace major. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, so, you know, I presume that's muscle. And was replaced by Tyler Malley, who actually pitched pretty well, which I'm happy to see. I saw him pitch in Dayton, and most of the starters I see in Dayton that get up to Cincinnati are converted to bullpen duty. Malley is not, and I think Tyler Malley has the stuff. He can be a real good starter and be maybe as high as a three. I mean, hey, not everyone can be a one or a two, so... There's that. So Wade Miley, first first game didn't go so hot. Struck out three, gave up five earned runs, six total on four hits, two walks, and two hit by pitches in one and two thirds innings on fifty seven pitches. Didn't feel hundred percent. Didn't feel great during his last start. So that does explain the six runs and nearly two innings thing. Like I said, I think he will rebound. Wade Miley will. I mean, the Reds are going to need him to. The bullpen, I really hope, really hope, bounces back. I do like how Lucas Sims has settled in quite well. TJ Antone, he took over for Wade Miley in that game, and I think he only gave up the home run to Rizzo, and that took a little bit of time to get. So, yeah, TJ Antone, that's another former Dragon Sutter I saw, and I think he'll do fine in Cincy. Yeah, two and four, a little disappointing, but then again, you look at the circumstances that, well, uh, Shogo Akiyama was not, well, was not a leadoff batter for the first few games, and then a couple games, he wasn't in the lineup at all. I mean, you also had Senzel and Mike Mustakas, who were being held out just because they might have had the coronavirus. Turns out they didn't. They came back that one game against the Cubs and won at 12-7. Yes, they definitely helped out on that. Joey Votto is looking like prime Joey Votto, which is very nice to see. And it's very nice to see people not complain that Votto's drawing walks. Oh my God, walks. You know, that means he's getting on base, right? I think that's important. I mean, yes, batting average is pretty much what you aim for if you're going to be in a major league lineup. But at the same time, there you go. I mean, Votto is Votto is looking like his prime self, and that is great to see. I'll give you a little preview on this series. The Tigers come in 4-3. and three. They took the series from the Cincinnati Reds, now host them for three at Comerica Park in Detroit, Michigan. Your ways of listening on radio, it's 700WLW. That's the big one. Tigers have it at 97.1 in Detroit. Don't try the Columbus one because they probably won't have it. Or you can watch it on TV, Fox Sports Ohio at Fox Sports Detroit. Or if you're out of market, Major League Baseball Network will have it. Interesting thing about not only the TV broadcast, but the radio broadcast. Keep in mind, this is done from Cincinnati. The series is at Detroit, so literally it's they're feeding the feed back to Cincinnati and they commentate on that, which... I get it. I mean, you don't want your broadcaster to get coronavirus. I totally get that. So, will it be a little weird? Yeah. But then again, that whole artificial noise thing, that's a bit weird in itself. People know that fans aren't allowed. Why not just have it quiet? You know? But that's just me. 
Friday night, it's Luis Castillo. He missed his last start last night due to the rain, washing out game four of Cincinnati and the Cubs at home. And Spencer Turnbull, Turnbull, excuse me, Spencer Turnbull will go for Detroit. Eight strikeouts in his first start in an ERA of a cool 1.80. Castillo, just 11 strikeouts and an ERA of 1.50. Yeah, Castillo pitched brilliantly. And outside of Miley, the starters have done A-OK. And I think that's going to be the biggest strength. The bullpen is still the thing that I worry about, but there you go. So for the Reds, Shogo Akiyama will lead off. He'll be in left. He'll be followed by first baseman Joey Votto. Eugenio Suarez, the third baseman, goes. A little bit of a cold start for the normally hot-hitting third baseman, but two RBIs to begin. Mike Moustaka spats in the cleanup spot as the second baseman, just swatting 500 on the year. Nick Castellanos gets the starting right, batting fifth, a 381 average for the Reds. Jesse Winkers, the DH tonight, batting sixth. Center fielder is Nick Senzel in the seven hole, followed by shortstop Freddie Galvis and Tucker Barnhart, batting ninth. So that's your Friday lineup. I don't have a crystal ball to tell you what Saturday and Sundays are, but I can presume it'll be very close to that. If you wonder what the Tigers lineup is, they'll have Nico Goodrum at short, batting leadoff. Second baseman Jonathan Scope is batting second, former Baltimore Oriole. I think he was, was he Brewer last year? Miguel Cabrera will bat third as the DH. CJ Crone is at first, a former Los Angeles Angel. You have Harold Castro at third, batting fifth. Victor Reyes in right, batting sixth. Left fielder Christian Stewart batting seventh. Austin Romine batting eighth as the catcher. And center fielder Jacoby Jones batting ninth. Again, this is all Fridays. I can't tell you what Saturday and Sundays are because I don't have that information. Ron Garn hires Tigers. That's weird to say since his long tenure with the Minnesota Twins. Against David Bell's Cincinnati Reds. I think the Reds have a good shot being keep to the lineup, get quality pitching again, but they need more runs or the bullpen really needs to lock it down. And I think if the Reds can manage that, it'll be a pretty fun but short year. We'll go over the schedule real quick. Again, Cincinnati 2-4. and four. They are tied for fourth place with the Pittsburgh Pirates and a half game back of 2-3 and three St. Louis. For first place are the Chicago Cubs at 4-2, and two, and Milwaukee is 3-3, three and three, one game back of Chicago. In case you're wondering about the American League standings in the Central, Cleveland leads off 5-2. They are almost identical to the Cincinnati Reds, not by record, mind you, but by team makeup. Good batting order, solid 5 on the mound, but the bullpen... Mm, you got the Minnesota Twins, 4-2. and two. Detroit is at third place, half game back of Minnesota, and one game back of Cleveland at 4-3. and three. Kansas City, 3-4. and four. Chicago White Sox, 2-4 and four, to round up the AL Central. So we look at the Reds. Tucker Barnhart coming back after the birth of his son, which is really cool to see. And the Reds will be back home. Let's flip the calendar to the next month because... You know, August is tomorrow. Two home against Cleveland, and then on the road for two at Cleveland, and then on the road at three at Milwaukee to 
have the first look at the newly minted Milwaukee Brewers look. They're going back to the old classic glove logo, except it's more modernized. It's a very sharp look. I really like the job they did updating their logo, their jerseys, and just everything. So the Reds will be back home August 3rd and 4th against Cleveland. And back home August 11th and 12th against Kansas City. And then four at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then four more games left in August. Three against the Chicago Cubs. And then one in August against the St. Louis Cardinals. I like to tell you that you can get into the games, but uh, you kind of can't because, oh yeah, fans aren't allowed. Cardboard cutouts are allowed. I know there's some non-Cubs fans that already made a cutout of Steve Bartman and putting him down the left field line, which is pretty funny. There was one fan that was so loyal to his Chicago White Sox, he bought a hundred cutouts of himself. Same pose, same everything. So that's different. I know Joey Votto helped the grounds crew with noisemakers, so I thought that was pretty outstanding as well. So, yeah, like I said, this is going to be a very interesting year for Cincinnati. I mean, already a tenth in the books. One-tenth of the season's already gone, just like that. And to close out episode 174, we're going to be talking about FC Cincinnati and the Columbus Crew. Both teams getting new stadiums next year, 2021. FC Cincinnati, of course, getting the West End Stadium that took over the old Stargell Stadium place. And the Columbus crew are moving to the Arena District. You'll probably be able to see it bright and shiny off of I-670, or maybe even off I-70. I don't know. I haven't been down that way in a while. But currently going on, the MOS's back tournament. It will go on until August 11th, however... Time's up for both Ohio MLS squads, and both go via penalty kicks. That's a tough way to go. Both teams made it out of their group. FC Cincinnati did get that win against the New York Red Bulls, which is very nice to see. FC Cincinnati calmed down quite nicely after the 4-0 loss to Columbus, giving up four goals, two in each half. And Columbus didn't allow a goal until Minnesota United struck early in that match. At least I think they struck early. I think Minnesota United scored in the 19th minute. Columbus scored pretty late. And then penalty kicks. So let's look at that bracket. It's knockout stages, meaning you lose, you're done for the tournament. Of course, MLS is still trying to think up how to finish off the season. I think they're trying to have at least some regular season action, but... We will see. It looks like after the MLS is back tournament, they'll go out of that bubble and they'll have home matches. At least that's what they're trying to do. So we'll start off with the Columbus crew first. They took on Minnesota United and they fell on PKs 5-3. to three, And that sets up Minnesota and San Jose August 1st at 8 Eastern time. You can watch it on ESPN2. The crew, they fall on PKs. But so do FC Cincinnati. Now, both teams drew 1-1. But in soccer, if you have to go to penalty kicks, you end in a draw. But then, you know, one team that wins PKs moves on. Portland defeats FC Cincinnati on PKs 4-2. And that sets up another August 1 match, this time against New York City FC. And that'll be at 10-30. And this one is on FS1. 
T-U-D-N or T-S-N, which is the Canadian ESPN, pretty much. T-U-D-N. I have no idea what that is. I know what FS1 is. New York City FC is coming off a 3-1 win against Toronto FC. And San Jose took down Real Salt Lake 5-2. We'll look at the highlights and recap on the Cruz PK loss to Minnesota United. It's nice to see Minnesota United, their first year in MLS, they really struggled. But they've bounced back nicely, and that's nice to see. And I have hope that it can happen for FC Cincinnati as well, especially with their second and third matches in the MLS's back qualifying round. So looking through it here, mentions the shootout results. It would help if I have the box score on there. There it is. You have Jose Aja with one assist. Robin Lode with the goal for Minnesota United for Columbus. It's Yayarsi Zardes with a goal in 83 minutes. Also, three shots on goal to lead all the teams. Ethan Finlay of Minnesota had two shots on goal to lead the Loons. I believe they're the Loons. But... Yeah, it's a tough uh, way to go. Andrew Tarbell made three saves in 90 minutes. Tyler Miller made four saves in 90 minutes. The crew did outshoot the loons 20-12 to and 5-4 to on target. And the crew also had five block shots. Out-cornered at Minnesota United 5-4. to That is getting corner kicks. And one yellow card on Columbus. 608 passes for Columbus, which, I mean, as a stat-wise, you know, you don't say, I made the most passes on my team, na-na-na-na-na. But in the, in the game of soccer, you need to pass it and able to move the ball forward. You can't just shoot it, you know, wherever you want. I mean, I've seen where, I think it was in college, and it was Butler University at Alumni Field against Wright State. And off the kickoff, they actually bounced it into the goal. so But you don't see that very often. But yeah, that looks to be very crisp, especially since the passing accuracy from Columbus was at 89%. I, I'm no soccer coach, so I can't tell you if that's good or bad. But from a broadcaster's standpoint, I say that's pretty good when you can complete nearly 90% of your passes. For the Loons of Minnesota United, they complete 77 of their 336 total passes. Also, the crew dominate possession as well at 64.5. So, yeah, like I said, I, I hope that it's not the last match for the crew in 2020 because I would like to see what Columbus can do the rest of the way. Now on to FC Cincinnati. Load up here. Remember to load the box score up so we don't have about a minute of silence trying to figure things out. For Portland and the Timbers, they have... Sebastian Blanco with one assist. And they get the goal off the bench from Yaroslav Nizgoda. Nizgoda? I think that's what it is. One goal in 26 minutes for Yaroslav. For FC Cincinnati, they also get their goal off the bench from Jurgen Lokadia. 18 minutes, one goal, two shots on goal, three on target for FC Cincinnati. Now that's a name. That's uh, Brzezinslaw Titan, I believe, the goalie for FC Cincinnati. Seven saves in 90 minutes. 
That save number is a little high, but we got the stats to look at. But still seven saves out of eight shots. That's pretty good. Steve Clark on the other side for Portland. Four saves in 90 minutes with one goal allowed. So looking at the stats, Portland outshot FC Cincinnati 19 to 12, got more on target 8 to 5, and got more blocked shots 5 to 2. FC Cincinnati didn't get a corner, but Portland got 10 of them. Passing-wise, both high numbers. FC Cincinnati tried 424 passes and completed 86% of them. That's pretty good. Portland on the other side, 501 total passes, 90% accuracy. That's very good. Possession I thought it'd be a lot higher number for the Timbers, but it's Portland 55.6 to Cincinnati's 44.4. And FC Cincinnati won 50 duels compared to 35 for Portland, which I assume is the 50-50 balls type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, FC Cincinnati, they're working hard, but fell to the dreaded PKs. Both Ohio MLS teams are out of the MLS is back tournament. And that will wrap up August 11th. But, hey, I, I outside that 4-0 loss FC Cincinnati, Cincinnati suffered to Columbus, I'd say maybe things are starting to look brighter for the new MOS team in Southwest Ohio. And for the crew, it looks like they have a very, very solid kit as well. But, again, we'll see if we have any more MLS soccer to go by. And lastly, to wrap up this episode, I mentioned there's a new IFL team in town. And in fact, the Jermaine Carr family bought out the controlling rights to the Indoor Football League. It's a league that I talk about occasionally. I, I like the Iowa Barnstormers. I like their logo. I like their helmets. And I like once upon a time they had propellers down their legs as the stripe. And Kurt Warner was part of that Barnstormers team. Well, they have named the team in Columbus and making their debut in 2022 are the Columbus Wild Dogs. No Destroyers 3.0. I mean, I get why you wouldn't go back to the Destroyers just because that name has failed twice and people think it was Columbus's fault. I want to say... Try to think why the Destroyers failed the first time where they closed up shop. The second time was the AFL just going under. That was none of the six teams' fault. Looks like Albany is getting back, Albany, New York is getting back into the Indoor Football League. So that, that will be nice. Another new update Matt Davidson's off the IL. Matt Bowman's now on the 45 day IL, so don't expect to see the pitcher until very later on the season. And also, Wade Miley's on the 10-day IL, as I mentioned. Still can't believe about Antonio Brown being suspended for the eight, eight first games. But then again, he's not on team. So if he's not on team, how's he going to serve it? You know? Anyway. So the Columbus Wild Dogs. And from the pictures on 10TV, that's the CBS affiliate in Central Ohio, the jerseys actually look pretty darn nice. The front of the, I believe the home jerseys, have the wild dog's teeth on them, like they're biting the shoulder. And that's a pretty cool look. And they have sort of this camo look. It's like pale gold and dark olive green, almost black. 
the logo is the wild dog looking center on. It's not on the side of the helmets like most football helmets are. So pretty nice helmets there. The last names are in red on the home jerseys. The numbers are in black, so the same color as the home jersey with pale gold trim, which uh, I, if I'm broadcasting, I need to see the numbers, so I don't know. Maybe it's just my eyesight's gotten worse over the years. The away jerseys, they have a lot of pale gold on the shoulders and the numbers. It's almost like that Star Trek font, like the original Star Trek font. I've seen it on some softball jerseys that Loyola Chicago had when I was in college. I think the Charlotte Eagles, when they were still a thing, they had that font as well, which, I mean, hey, it's unique. Uh, Same pants for Columbus when they're on the road, same helmet. It's just a different top. So, I mean, that's that's pretty neat. I mean, I like I like the uniqueness of the Wild Dogs name. Originally, I wasn't a big fan of it, and I, I did want Destroyers 3.0 just because I like that name, and I like the logo. And like I said, it's not the Destroyers' fault that the AFL folded. The AFL was having trouble for quite some time, and it didn't work out. But there you go. It's the Columbus Wild Dogs. And that will wrap up episode 174 in a nice, neat package that took over an hour. Well, it's a little bit of a long one. Next episode, we'll get back to another interview in our creator series. I just coined that term. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, keep spreading the word of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, where we actually talk local sports And we'll talk to you again, episode 175. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com, spelled T-H-E-L-E-E-W-M-O-W-E-N.com, then click on podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way to catch new episodes of this podcast, such as on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, the iHeartRadio app, Pandora, and many more platforms. Follow along on social media by liking the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and follow along on Twitter at Pod and the Lee W. Mowen. Feel free to send in future questions for Mowen's Mailbag on Twitter or Facebook. The closing theme was created with the Splash app, available for free on Google Play and the App Store. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off. Let's talk local Cincinnati and Dayton sports again on the next episode.